We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Stefan LeCoe. You can find me on Twitter at StefanLeCoe, and I am joined again by the man, the myth, the legend, the Travis May. You can find him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. We just got done watching an epic game of football what a great weekend in general but we just got done with that chiefs bills overtime madness travis how are you holding it all together right now that was insane i mean instant reaction is always like oh my gosh uh was that the best game of all time and it <laughs> right, would have been right. it would have been if the nfl overtime rules weren't so trash but you know right <laughs> it had to end abruptly and anticlimactically i guess i mean it was a great it was a great ending but it's like no, 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 no. Keep going. Keep doing that. Yes. <laughs> you yes. Just, it just, we wanted more. And so, yeah, that was just nuts. And then of course, Travis Kelsey is the one to win it all. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I went to the Titans loss uh, this week with, Oh, you were at the dad. game. I was at the game. Oh, shoot, man. Really sweet seats right on the 50 with my dad. And it was, it was painful. <laughs> so yeah. we don't have to spend time on that. I just wanted to say that, was miserable but you know at least <laughs> you know at least i know now that there's no chance the titans would have beaten either the bills or the chiefs in their current state so it's right. like you know what okay all my hope is gone anyway so yeah enjoy it chiefs enjoy another super bowl that's fine yeah ryan Tannehill, that first pass being an interception first pass like, of the game first pass bad. of the game his first pass of the second half and then the last, the last pass. play. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. It was just poetic. You know, I mean, it's just, it, he was like, Hey guys, you know what would be cool is if I just paint, you know, this, this beautiful picture, this, this poetry in motion. 
right. of failure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's what oh, it was. Man. But anyway, let's move on because Gabriel Davis somehow, uh, what was <laughs> oh, my it? God. What four for what? two? Yeah, two hundred and four. I mean, insane. Two hundred receiving yards and four touchdowns in a losing effort. Like, right. oh my gosh, that's so amazing, though. Yeah, I had him in a DFS. My I only did one DFS lineup uh, for the weekend, and I had him in there, so I tripled my money. Unfortunately, it was only a three dollar buy in. But hey, I got those ten bucks coming my way, so yeah. I'll buy myself a beer next time I go out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, <laughs> kudos to Gabriel Gabriel Davis though. I mean, he had a lot of single coverage, but you know, he beat that consistently over and over. And so, uh, you know, Stefan or Stefan, since you're you you you've got the yep. pr- correct pronunciation of the name, absolutely. Um, <laughs> he was blanketed uh, as he should be, uh, and Davis just manhandled people in the open field. So. Looking forward, let's talk dynasty here real quick. Gabriel Davis, I mean, obviously his stock is way up right now. Um, oh, yeah, obviously. Why what do one? you – yeah, of course. Take him ahead of Stephon Diggs. Um, <laughs> no, what, honestly, where do you think he will go? Obviously, he'll go higher than probably you think he should go. But uh, mm-hmm. do you think moving into next year – I mean, of course, assuming they don't do a lot of wide receiver work in the offseason, what do you think happens uh, with Gabriel Davis' value? I mean, they've got uh, McKenzie there. Uh, I don't know if uh, Manuel Sanders will still be around. Uh, Cole Beasley, I don't think Cole Beasley had. A, I don't remember him doing anything today. Um, yeah, but what like do you what do you think Gabe catch, Davis? Yeah. What do you think Gabe yeah. Davis's uh, outlook should be uh, for uh, for next year? Twenty twenty? Are we calling it? Yeah, twenty twenty two. Yeah, that's really weird. Here we are. Right? <laughs> uh, well, you know, so Gabriel Davis, uh, former UCF wide receiver, uh, you know, had a pretty good production profile coming out of school. But uh, we, we, he was that guy that I was like, you know, he could sneak into day two and that didn't materialize. He was like uh, around, was around four. Yeah. Like late round four. Yeah. yeah. Late round four in 2020. If you, if, if you're, if you can't remember, he's a class. What's funny so, is when he went to the bills, I was so pissed. Cause like, man, I wish he would have gone to a team with a decent quarterback. Cause Josh Allen sucks. I was so wrong about Josh Allen. One of my yeah. all time biggest oopses. Like I, yeah. I still kind of think he sucks and he doesn't at all, but no. yeah. Yeah. But no, he so he's year three of his contract. And so like he has time to, you know, be pretty, I mean, he, he obviously did pretty well at times this year. Uh, but he has time to really take off in year three and year four and, uh, you know, enter his second contract is still, he was actually an early declare. A lot of the G five school guys were not, so he's not going to be super old either entering his second contract. So he's, he's got this large window now as Stefan Diggs kind of uh, ages out about the time that he's coming into his second contract. Like, so really the outlook, not just this year, not just next year, but we could expect him to still be tied to Josh Allen for a second contract, most likely, unless he just falls off a cliff. Um, and so or blows up huge and yeah, gets a exa- big contract exactly. elsewhere, but exactly. but then you'd be happy but, with that. <laughs> yeah, but I think the, the chances are we, we've got more than a three-year window for this guy who's very young, and uh people are gonna get caught up on the fact that he's not in a high pedigree guy, I think, still. And second guess him or, or overthink it and go, well, yeah, it was just one game that no one has ever done before in the playoffs, whatever. But it wasn't like he's been uh, doing I, this for the last I few know. weeks. Exactly. And so I think some sometimes the contrarians want to lean into that to that too hard. But I think that's I, I don't want to overreact either. But 
you got to find that sweet spot and just recognize he has a really good opportunity to continue rising. And that that's that's what matters in Dynasty. Like, get that asset and player on your team that's going to continue to rise. Like, you might be like you're overpaying right now to acquire him, and I wouldn't do it right now. Wait till the hype cools down. But you might still be, quote-unquote, be buying high considering what he has done or what he right. could do for three-plus, four or five years. Could be fantastic. So I'm going to offer you a hypothetical trade right now. This is our 12-team Dynasty League Superflex. Uh, no Debbie, no C2C, just straight-up Dynasty. I'm going to offer you DK Metcalf and an early – I mean, I'm going to offer you DK Metcalf for Gabe Davis and an early second-round pick. What are you doing? <laughs> and that's and that's where I would probably – draw the line and say no because like it, it's like i i know what you're trying to do like you're trying to buy low on dk you know or or whatever it is and and so i, yeah. I would probably say no so uh, even so dk with the risk of losing russell wilson um you would yes. rather <laughs> yeah it's tough though isn't it it is tough because i would actually leave i would actually leave gabe davis in his second over dk but that's because i'm wearing my seahawks hat and i've got a seahawks flag behind me i'm a bitter bitter old man yeah i but this is why you just don't do right now because i don't think i don't think once free agency season hits you'll have to do that you Mm -hmm. know i don't don't think you'd have to so that's why you never buy an hour after the game's over (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but you might uh, want to sell. I mean, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> There's some trade yeah. offers. Uh, Just yeah. because oh. I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, if y'all are joining us for the first time, you guys know that College to Canton is a show all about the journey from the best football players and prospects in college all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And today we want to take a little bit of time to talk about some of the college players that will be uh, coming out in the next couple of years and look at the 2023 and the 2024 class. So looking a little bit ahead, uh, Travis, you've done quite a bit of work over on Rodovis. You've got uh, three really great articles out on um, like some of the great uh, talent coming out um, of the college ranks. And I think one of the things I want to ask you about, uh, we were kind of talking about this before we, um, before we hit record, uh, with the transfer portal being what it is, like it's free agency in college, let's be honest. And I'm, I have no problem with it. I think we are both fine with it. It's great. Um, but with that being said, in like college to Canton leagues where you're drafting, you know, something like 40, 45 players and you have yeah. the opportunity to, you know, like I, I just started doing C2C like last year. And um, one of the things that was really hard for me to do was like, I don't know if I want to take this backup quarterback because he might be waiting a long time before he gets a chance to play. But now we've seen like in Oklahoma where like Caleb Williams is just like, nope, I'm going to be the starter now. Um, and now like Caleb Williams is a huge asset and Spencer Rattler is now transferred to South Carolina and he's going to be a huge asset. So do you think like drafting players with the transfer portal kind of like as we've seen it materialize in its new state, do you think drafting kind of changes where maybe you don't care about depth charts as much as maybe you did in the past, or uh, are you still kind of, uh, wanting that immediate production? What, what, what are you thinking here? Yeah. So I, I don't know how long I've been riding on the portal, at least three or four years, like maybe the year after it, it came into play, I think I started riding on the portal and how, how this really changes everything and eventually how it would get to a point where we, we would be able to be in this exact spot. But I didn't know that when it happened, it would be so unre- unregulated and crazy and like basically no rules, like just a free for all. And at the same time, name image likeness would come into play and you'd have all these kids getting six, 
seven figure kind of deals just to get, I mean, they're not supposed to use it as a recruiting tool, which is, I mean, that's silly. Like, right. Like the, the, right. <laughs> they are. And so all this chaos happens all at once. And all these kids can make money off their own name and transfer to these big brands. And so, um, we're, we're going to see this year, 2021 and 2022, this off season, uh, will be the craziest year, uh, and most defining year for the future of college football ever. And we're, we're seeing the beginnings of it with, you know, with even players like who are getting acquired uh, by Alabama coming in, uh, like Jameer right. Gibbs, like yeah, he already has game. that backfield for Georgia tech. He can just stay there and feature and eat for another year and dominate and go pro. But he's like, nah, I think I want to go win that natty and make some money while I'm at it. Right. Uh, and then Jermaine Burton comes from the defending national champions, <laughs> in Georgia. Yeah. He's like, nah, Stetson Bennett. I, I don't really want to play with him again. I'm going to go play with Bryce Young. I saw him play. He, he's a better quarterback. And, well, to uh, be so fair, just, the fact that like he was third on their depth chart, I would have been like, you know what? This is stupid. <laughs> Y'all don't deserve me. <laughs> like the yeah. boys, they were running out in front of him were kind of hilarious. I can't even yeah. remember the guy's name. Yeah, but the small white Burton, dude is who I'm thinking yeah, about. Yeah, McConkey. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so Jermaine Burton goes over. And, and by the way, Gibbs and Burton, Jermaine Burton and Gibbs were both top 100 overall recruits when they came into college. So yeah. Alabama already has like top two, three classes every single year. And then they add guys like that and Eli Ricks from LSU, who has a five-star corner um, back in the day. And uh, just, well, I say back in the day, like two seasons ago. And so they just keep on bringing in these guys and it, it's going to change everything. So, yeah, I don't really care. Like it, what Jermaine Burton disappointed this year, but you know what? He was like, Hey, I'm talented still. I'm going to peace out and I'm going to go dominate at Bama because they yeah. didn't really have anybody step up. And they just exactly lost their Jameson two Williams most productive. Did. Yeah. And they just lost again, just oh, lost man. their two most productive receivers. Yeah. And so there's a, a immediately opportunity. And yeah. it, you said, even with the example of quarterbacks, cause that's really scary. When those really stubborn four and five star quarterbacks come in and be like they join a depth chart of quarterbacks, only one's going to start, guys. Only right. one, and they get they join like two other five stars. Like, yeah, I'm going to win win this job. No, you're not. No, you're not. Like, even if you're amazing, some dumb coach, like a la you know the defending national championship coach Kirby Smart, will just like toss Justin Fields to the side like it like an idiot, and and that was a big problem even a couple years ago, but now. Yeah. I'm not as worried. Like even like with, uh, I don't know, like a really high pedigree guys, like uh, we'll, we'll get to him later, probably a little bit, but JJ J. McCarthy at Michigan, it, what happens if he doesn't win the job this off season, he's gone and has, and he's immediately the best starter somewhere else. Uh, and you know, he had part-time action this year, but he's from IMG Academy, the best high school program in the nation. He's five-star pedigree. Uh, he's got all the tools in the world. But coaches are going to be coaches and just be stubborn and dumb and not yeah. give the guy who's the toolsy, who has the ceiling and is going to be super toolsy and fun, uh, the opportunity. So, yeah, like a guy like McCarthy could do nothing again this year and then go somewhere and just star. And then he's a first round pick like that. that we're going to see that even more so like quarterbacks. I, I think the first time I wrote up, wrote up the portal for Rotoviz, uh, maybe two or three years ago, I talked about. Most positions, it was still pretty hard as a transfer to make it uh, just because of the current state of the rules at that point. Uh, but but quarterbacks were the exception already. Now they're going to be even more so. Like the the true pedigree guys with this, the highest ceiling and all the tools, they're just going to break through and make it. We're going to see it more often than we already are. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's And like, I mean, 
uh, Nick Saban warned us. He's like, oh, you guys want to play this transfer portal game? I'm okay with that. I'll take all the best guys. I'll let my backups leave. No problem. And I'll take your best players. And it will be <laughs> yeah. completely fine by me. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, well, uh, let's uh, let's let's see here. Um, how do you want to move forward? Do you want to go position by position, or do you want to go year by year and look at some of the mock yeah. drafts that you did? What what sounds good to you, here, Travis? Because we can go either way. We, uh, let's do, let's do position by position because I want to kind of like talk about the the current trajectory of some of these guys in their sure. careers, right? Like and like their production profiles and kind of where they are, even if they were you know an NFL prospect this year, uh, yeah. where we where they might be next year, uh, where they need to be production profile wise. Um, and we could skip around and, and talk about a couple of the pieces and you can critique me for being wrong and how I'm ranking players. That's fine. But yeah, <laughs> let's start off with the wide receivers. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do wide receiver. We're road of his after all. That's what we do here. Like we, yeah, we, we roll out wide, with yeah. wide receivers. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's look at the 2023 class. And I think um, it's probably no uh, secret who everyone's kind of favorite guy is uh, in Keishon Butte. But tell me why you think or tell me if you think he should be the uh, wide receiver one in that class and, uh, and, and what you like about him. Yeah. So I, we were robbed of what could have been uh, a fan fantastic season from Keishon Boutte this year. Yes. LSU as a program was not the same, but honestly they might have been just fine. Had Keishon Boutte been healthy because yes, he had a fantastic freshman season, but, I mean, he, he had 500-plus receiving yards and nine touchdowns in his first six games. He was averaging a touchdown That's and a half true. per game through, through six, and it wasn't even a complete sixth game. Um, so, yeah, we, we were robbed of what could have been a really special season from, from Keishon with 1,100, 1,200 yards and maybe close to 20 touchdowns or something crazy for him. And this and is without was, a very good quarterback. No, was not a great quarterback, and he was accounting for like 47% of the offense through the air before he went down. And so even though it was a, an abbreviated season for him, uh, you know, and if it wasn't – if it was if it's less than four games, I don't even count it uh, in my production analysis. But his adjusted production index, which I can break that down again because I, I, I just – sometimes I assume people know what I'm talking about, and most of you don't. That's fine. But he's like, essentially, if you compared him to drafted wide receivers, his production profile would be around the 89th percentile. Simply put, 89th percentile right now, if he entered the league today, he would look pretty good from a, an adjusted production standpoint. Like, Hey, can, can you can you kind of break? I mean, I, I think will. a lot of people know yes. what you're talking about or know what that means, but maybe don't know yes. what what sure. makes up those numbers. What are you looking at? What goes yeah, into so those I, formulas? I, I look at uh, players dominator rating which i can get to that in a moment uh and they're simply put their their yards per team pass attempt marks their touchdown uh touchdowns per team pass attempt marks um and the dominator rating is it's been around for a long time most of you guys may may already be familiar but it's just uh essentially a percentage of their team's receiving yards and a percentage of the team's receiving touchdowns weighted what threshold are you looking for there typically, Travis? Rotoviz, because we are production snobs, we like to go for players that are over 30% yeah. in a dominator. Like basically accounting for 30% of a team's receiving yards and touchdowns. Um, you know, some people like to look at a weighted dominator, which just does like an 80% weight for receiving yards, 20% weight for touchdowns. Anthony Amico uh, did that for Rotoviz, I think, 2018. 
something like that. Uh, but and found that that to be even more meaningful in terms of predicting future fantasy points in the NFL. So I don't do the weighted version just because it's a little bit uh, a little bit more difficult to explain to just a, a layman that doesn't nerd out. Uh, but fifty percent weight to receiving yards, fifty percent weight to touchdowns uh, for the dominator rating. And, and and by the normal dominator rating, sorry to nerd out too much here, but Butte had a forty seven percent there, so he was clearly. <laughs> above that mark this year before he went down. Yeah. Uh, and he had a good dominant, he had a good freshman dominator rating too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was already like 33%. So, yeah. so yeah, if you don't adjust per, like on a per game basis and you try to build in his numbers on like a season long basis, it wasn't as pretty, uh, not even close, but um, yeah, he was, he was fantastic. We, we were clearly robbed of a great year. And uh, for some people, you know, somebody like Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, maybe even Jordan Addison, maybe even Josh Downs, those guys crept up uh, right next to him uh, for most people that I've talked to. Uh, I think Boutte is firmly still in the wide receiver one mix, and I yeah. we still don't even know what the wide, what his injury was for some reason, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be fine. But, yeah, he, he's, he's right there. Do you have JSN next? I mean, that would be my next player yeah. in yeah, a vacuum. Yeah. I also talked to, to Ohio State fans too much, so. Uh, yeah. I could be a little bit one in particular. <laughs> yeah, one in particular. One in particular. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I mean, just seeing even what he did in the playoffs. Like, I mean, the dude is, um, the dude is clearly very special. Not the playoffs, sorry, mm-hmm. in the Rose Bowl. Dude is very special. Uh, absolutely highlight, um, like finish to the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, he's probably the the wide receiver two in this class. Um, but like Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison, as you mentioned, um, Bolitnikov award winner and absolute stud at Pitt. him and Kenny Pickett really hooked up uh, a lot this year. Um, and, and, and last year for that matter. Uh, so w- which, which of these two guys do you kind of lean towards and uh, w- what some of your numbers say about them? So I would have Jackson Smith and Jigba as my wide receiver too for the 2023 class, which that sounds like it's a really far away or whatever, but that's next it year. Does. Somehow. It's somehow next year. Well, even uh, just talking about the Rose Bowl is like last year. It feels like it was like two years ago and it was like yeah. last month. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so uh, JSN, as we will call him here, yeah. would be my number two. He's actually his current profile because of the, the raw volume and how they distribute uh, targets at wide, you know, Ohio State sharing targets with. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who will probably both be and, first and Trevion Henderson and trivia. Yeah. And Trevion Henderson, another future first round, uh, you know, running back, but still gets some work as a receiver. Like they, they they're just absolutely stacked at that, that receiver position. So he's not going to have a, uh, just a, an absurd chunk, uh, of the receiving work like a Jordan Addison would playing for Pitt because there was nobody else even to compete for targets. But I would still, even though he would be like a 47th percentile kind of prospect from a production profile standpoint right now, like he's, he's still plenty fine. Like he, like he's already like, yeah, I, I have no problem. Uh, just assuming he's an early first round pick next year. Yeah. But uh, I yeah. will say Jordan Addison, cause I mentioned him, like he's the 73rd percentile kind of player as, a, as far as a production profile standpoint goes, but I don't think he's probably going to go up anymore. Uh, because one, Kenny Pickett is gone. Uh, they're bringing in uh, Keaton Slovis, but I'm not sure that he's he's going to really improve his production profile, uh, even if he didn't have better competition coming in this year. But he does have better competition coming in to share targets with this year. Uh, and that's with Konata 
yeah, that first name's awesome. Last name, <laughs> not so much. Mumpfield. <laughs> Konata Mumpfield. Somehow those two names go together. Konata Mumpfield. You know, uh, it was clearly his his parents be like, dude, Mumpfield sucks. We're sorry. But hey, Konata's pretty cool. So yeah, seriously. <laughs> really sweet first name. But anyway, so he's coming in from Akron. And for those of you unfamiliar, Akron is terrible. But Mumfield is not. And, and he just dominated at his level of play. Uh, had like a 30-ish percent dominator rating for them and was phenomenal um, and realized, hey, in this day and age of the transfer portal, I can probably get an upgrade from the Akron, I whatever they are, kangaroos or whatever. they I don't even know what they're. Zips. The zips. I mean, they're basically, I don't even know what that zips. is. I'm sorry. Like I, it is a kangaroo. Point, I did, I, okay. I'm pretty, I'm see, pretty sure. Like a few times and I'm like, there's no way it's that lame, but it is. But anyway. So he got an upgrade from that. I, I've fit. definitely done some uh, some like dynasty modes in NCAA 2007 with Akron. I'm not oh gonna gosh. lie. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! Good good luck there, Hulk. It probably took you 14 years just to fix the recruiting, <laughs> but um, yeah. So Montfield joins him, and they're gonna he's gonna garner some targets, and so uh, and if he garners some underneath stuff take some volume away from Addison. I don't think we're going to see him uh, improve his production profile from an analytical standpoint. Uh, he's also probably not going to have 17 touchdowns again. Uh, that's probably not going to happen, but it doesn't matter because he's all, he's already done everything that he needs to Checked every analytical box that he needs to already and did so almost like completely as a true freshman. So I don't have any concerns with Addison. Like yeah. at the very least he's a day two wide receiver and it could be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, totally agree. Let's um, let's talk about uh, kind of the next tier. I, I'm guessing would be like uh, Josh Downs without Howell, which will be interesting to see. Um, and then we've got Marvin Mims, and I don't know. I'd probably put Parker Washington in that group too, just because I think he's going to have a, a lot of opportunity to shine. But maybe you have him a tier below. What do you, what do you think here? Yeah, I have Josh Downs. Actually, right up there with the with these guys, um, and even uh, Quentin Johnston's not too far behind. Oh, right, uh, the, yeah, this crew, uh, TCU. Uh, but Josh Downs, uh, for a while, was like leading the nation um, in terms of Power Five wide receivers uh, for a long while uh, in most categories, and was just really the only thing going besides Sam Howell in that North Carolina offense this year uh, that really struggled. And Downs is a guy who coming in, he was a four star, had legit four four wheels, four four forty wheels in in high school, verified by multiple services, and so we knew he was a crazy speedster, and he was most likely going to inherit that uh, really shifty, important slot role in that offensive scheme, and he did, and he killed it. Uh, I'd love to see him be a little bit more versatile in, in his, uh, I guess, alignment. Uh, but in in this day and age, like being an every down slot wide receiver is a role. Um, and so that's probably what he plays in the pros and he's going to kill it there. He's going to be really fast, really shifty, uh, get him in, you know, on some creative offense. That's not the Titans. And uh, you know, he'll explode in the pros. So I think he's going to be a, another good first round kind of wide receiver. Um, and then Quentin Johnston, like he's Do you think he has a better outlook than Deami Brown. Well, it's hard to say because Deami Brown was so fun coming out of college last year. I only asked because I was a huge, I was a huge Brown. I hated that he ended up at the football team. Yeah, um, well, that that, that killed him before he was Foxes or something. Uh, I don't even know what it is. 
But um, yeah, whatever it is, they're lame and the team's terrible. And they ruined his career before it even began. So yes, I think he has a better outlook than Diami Brown. Just because of potential landing spot. And because um, I think as a slot receiver, you can just immediately be a volume hog if, if you can create your own separation. And I think he does that better than Diami did. And Diami was almost exclusively, exclusively an outside guy without the frame of an outside guy. Right, so, right. Uh, that's why I, I don't think – I think Downs gets better capital. I think he's in a role that probably is just cohesive to having a, a safe PPR kind of floor. Uh, and how early. fun will it be to say first down downs? I mean, come first on. First down downs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I apologize. Yes. No, but hey, um, so what about I mean, what about my longtime love affair with Marvin Mims? Um, what are you doing? Real quick, with him? because what I just you... just not so subtly said that Quentin Johnston is AJ Green. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, hey, that's I, twice I've skipped over him. No, that's okay. Me. I mean, he's not, I mean, saying anybody is like AJ Green, who's one of the best in our era of football. Is is outlandish, but he he looks like him. He he plays like him a little bit. He he's got that lanky six four ish that just can dunk on some kids. Like he's a lot of fun. Uh, he's never gonna have a good quarterback. Has never TCU is allergic to good good quarterback play, <laughs> and maybe that'll change uh, with Sunny Sunny Dykes coming in. They'll they'll have some offense that is less lame, but probably not in time for Quentin Johnston to really change his production profile and all that. But it's actually already okay. Like. He's played through some stuff. He's he's been injured. He's had partial seasons in both of his two years for TCU. Uh, this year, I think he played nine games, uh, and in those nine games, he accounted for thirty five percent of the team's receiving offense, and was really one of the only efficient weapons there. He's been like that deep threat and red zone threat. He does a lot of good things, but I, I think he gets day two capital. But you know, he could like profile similarly to Terrace Marshall, which is kind of scary too. So, so yeah. oh, do man. with that what you will. I have a lot of Terrace Marshall in my life. <laughs> well, he, he was cheap too, though. Like that, just because yeah. the landing spot is like, oh well. So he, he was a second round pick everywhere. Yeah, yeah. All right. So next up in your kind of um, what I think is your order would be Marvin Mims. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett of Maryland, and then uh, Penn State uh, Parker Washington, who yeah. is going to see a lot of vacated targets with uh, with Dotson leaving. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on these three guys. Uh, yeah, so Marvin Mims, um, kind of. Also, do you think Caleb Williams is going to be back at Oklahoma, or, or do you think it's pretty much yeah. assured that he's going to be at like Georgia? No, and it's funny. Like Mario Williams has already said he's going. He's like they're basically like a package deal. Like Caleb Williams Jeez. and Mario Williams are a package deal. Name, and so, can you name two schools that like, can you name like outside of Ohio state who would say no? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And it's probably going, going to end up being USC. Like they've been hinting at that for a while, but they just haven't made it official or whatever. Uh, that, that's probably what it's going to be. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what it'll be, but. You Caleb say Williams USC, Southern California, yeah, USC as in the yeah. only real USC. Not South They Carolina. also. They also just got uh, my boy uh, Travis Dye from Oregon. Uh, yeah, they picked up another players. running back. They picked up Jerry Rice's kid. For, uh, he plays wide receiver, played wide receiver at Colorado. Um, and oh, now, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, Rice is his last name, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's also there now. Like, USC is just, like, bringing in everyone. <laughs> like, yeah, they so. give no craps. It's like, yeah, come, come try out. We're good. We don't need that recruiting class anyway. Yeah, exactly. 
But anyway, so continue. Yeah, that that could be fun with him and Mario Williams there. Uh, and and uh, uh, what, what Jaden Hiswood already transferred out as well. Uh, right. The, the, the Oise, I think, did too. Or I can't, oh, I, I don't know. I can't I remember. Don't remember. remember. But anyway, Marvin Mims could be in a spot where he he was the, he was the only efficient weapon in the offense this past year. Anyway, like no one no one besides him averaged like more than twelve yards per reception. I think in the entire team. Um, but for some reason they just didn't target him very much. Like he was not even 20% of the offense this year, which is insane because as, as a true freshman, he was like almost 25% of the team's offense. Right. And uh, then he saw that's a role this year. It was just really strange. He saw Their slight offense uptick did in, look broken, but. Oh, it really did at times, especially when they played anybody with like a top 100 defense. Yeah. So, but I mean, he was like over 20 yards per reception. Like he's a really fun, deep weapon. I think. He won't have a nice uh, round production profile when he comes out, but I think he'll fix it given the guys that have departed. Uh, he'll have a fun, efficient profile again this year and probably round it out to where he's probably a 50th percentile kind of guy. O- Oklahoma does that. Ohio State does that. They send guys that have mediocre profiles because either they were surrounded by other guys uh, that were you know just bonkers good or – in Oklahoma's case, they run like straight 10 personnel and just for some reason, like, hey, let's just not have anybody over 25% market share ever for any reason. Right. Uh, which is does, annoying. Does Brent Venables move in there scare you at all? Like more of a defensive minded coach? I mean, maybe it's they impossible actually to say, start, but maybe they actually start funneling targets to their best players. Like maybe. that would be yeah, fun. Yeah. So that, yeah. that could really help Mims. I think he he could be that player that really goes off this year that really just like oh wait oh yeah he is like one of the best in the nation and he was super cheap in dfs towards the end of the even middle of the year he was getting super cheap i could see him starting off the season pretty cheap and might be someone that we want to look to early on yeah um, yep. Jarrett maryland um he uh he had a lot of hype coming out of um high school five-star wide receiver um looks the part i mean he when you watch him play he's not always getting um uh, I'm going to use my least favorite uh, football expression. He's not always getting peppered with targets, but no. um, you can see him really do a lot when he gets the ball. Uh, what do you like about uh, Raheem Jarrett to have him kind of right in this like second, third tier of wide receivers? I think he can do just about everything. Um, he makes acrobatic catches. He runs all the routes. Uh, he can play any position. And so he does all the good things. Uh, he just plays for a team that, Again, spreads targets around and kind of draws a lot of stuff up for uh, tight ends. And uh, and and Talia Tungabailoa, for some reason, just doesn't target him enough. But he, you know, he's been around a quarter of the offense since he's been there, and that's great. Uh, I don't think he's going to have a super efficient production profile, but I think that the uh, percentile of his uh, you know targets this year might go up a little bit more than we've seen in his final year before he goes pro. Uh, but he, he, coming out of high school, he, he was comp to Debo Samuel. So that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he's not as thick as Debo Samuel at all. And he's not really... Do you think he could build into that frame? I think he could get almost there. I don't I don't think he's quite, you know, thick with two Cs. As, as, I don't think he could, <laughs> he could get there. Uh, You've been hanging out with those youth group kids too much. I, I have. <laughs> I have. But no, I, I think he's... He's 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 a, his production profile is not great right now. 
Um, mm-hmm. But he can fix that. And he's got the swag factor. He always wears that thin hoodie under his pads or whatever. And he's just hilarious. Like, And in the bowl game, I think I tweeted this out. And he retweeted it, which blew, oh, it, blew up yeah. like a week and a half, you know. But I and I was surprised nobody else noticed this. But maybe because no one else cares to watch the Maryland bowl game. But <laughs> I don't even remember who they played. So they, Virginia Tech. But he, okay. he was um, – this was clearly a design play only going to him. And he knew it. But he was he lined up at right wide receiver, uh, clearly had one on one man coverage. They motioned him across the formation and he and he looked back over his shoulder, saw the guy following him, and he literally like waved to the guy, like, Yeah, yeah, come on, bring it. Like like just a little subtle wave. <laughs> and I laughed out loud. I was like, Really? Oh my gosh. And and then uh, it's, of course, as soon as he gets set, runs a corner route. Talia Tungavaloa makes a terrible throw. He has to lay out, diving catch near the sideline. Uh, like, you know, hits the ground so hard, he, he like bounces up and still makes the play and just gets up and is just so pumped. Like, he's just got that <laughs> swag factor. Yeah. And right before that, like on the drive before, he's making acrobatic catches, leaping up, almost one-handed to just, I mean, he, he well, does all the things. Like the film you know, people are going to love him. You need a crappy quarterback to make some of those highlight catches. You do. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and that's the only play you can make with Talia Tungabolo as your quarterback. Right. So, oh, man. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, thoughts on uh, Parker Washington and Jerm- Jermaine Burton before we hit the break. Again, Jermaine Burton transferring over from Georgia uh, to Alabama, as you mentioned. Yeah, so he's got a really, really bad production profile um, just because Georgia – I mean, didn't utilize AD him Mitchell. Yeah, AD Mitchell. I mean, props to him because as a true freshman leading the team in snaps at wide receiver, that wasn't going to happen if George Pickens was healthy. But right. he took over uh, and you know passed up Burton, passed up all his other true freshman, uh, you know, teammates, and was just like, "Hey, I'm the best guy here." Um, and and there was even some hype for him in the spring, but Jermaine. Burton was decent uh, as a true freshman and was decent this year, but not good enough to be, be peppered with targets. Uh, <laughs> but he should be at Alabama because they had no one step up uh, at all. And they have another good freshman class coming in. On paper, it's not as good as even last year's crew. And Ja'Cory Brooks is going to be fantastic. JoJo Earl is going to be in the slot. Uh, but there's probably at least one starting role up for grabs, and I think that belongs to Jermaine Burton. So we could see him explode this year, uh, not in the same role as Jamison Williams, but maybe something similar. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, uh, I think it's a great move for him personally. It doesn't, I don't think it hurts Alabama at all to bring him in, obviously. No. Um, yeah. But with their wide receiver room being kind of like the younger guys, none of them really stepped up. I mean, Shakori Brooks, maybe a little bit at the end of the year, but yeah. Jermaine Burton, like can, can really fill a role there. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see what he can do for himself. I think it was the absolutely right move for him um, getting yeah. away from Stetson Bennett and getting to play with Bryce Young. Uh, what yeah, about Parker Washington before we hit the break? I mean, he's probably just going to be in the role that, you know, Penn State does this thing where they go back and forth. Is Cliff coming back? Receiver. Yes, he is. He is. Nah, that's too is. bad. That's too bad for Parker somehow. Washington. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I hope Drew Aller just steals a job from him because right. uh, Drew Aller's their five-star uh, fringe five-star freshman kid coming in. Uh, I, I hope he steals the job from Clifford by like week, week one because that would be way more fun. But um, Parker Washington, he's going to be a high-volume slot wide receiver uh, again for them. So we'll, it'll be like K.J. Hamler. Um, and so he'll probably get some capital. But 
we saw what happened to him where he disappeared because of bad quarterback play and being surrounded by other really good wide receivers at the next level. (laughs) And so I think that could happen with Parker Washington. I think he's a day two guy. I just don't have the ceiling super high uh, with him. Right, right. Cool. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, we're back talking the class of 23, which somehow is not as far away as we might think. We just covered wide receivers um, and yeah, really interesting just thinking about some of these players and, and what their outlooks uh, will likely be. Of course, we have not mentioned any Oregon players. That will be a theme for this show, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's let's move over to the, the, the 23 running backs. Um, I don't think he's your number one running back, but I think the the player that probably took the biggest jump uh, from their last game to uh, before their next game is one Jameer Gibbs leaving Atlanta, um, leaving Georgia Tech and moving just a, a couple miles to the west, going to Alabama, where he in all likelihood is going to be the main man. And we just saw what... Um, kind of a, an, an unassuming running back can do there uh, where we, I think Brian really made a name for himself this year. Uh, but here we have Jameer Gibbs who already was fantastic at Georgia tech. Now going to be the alpha I imagine at Alabama. Uh, what do you think his outlook is and how do you not have him? Number one, Jameer Gibbs uh, is going to go off. He's probably going to uh, share more touches than he probably should with the other running backs at, at Alabama still. Which one do you year. think has the most uh, – which guy do you think takes the most snaps away from him? Kamar Wheaton? I think, like, who do I think they'll find be? a way to give a lot of touches to Trey Sanders and Jace McClellan somehow again. Uh, or what will happen is like one of those guys will transfer in the spring because Kamar Wheaton or Emmanuel, San- Emmanuel, Emmanuel Henderson are stepping up and passing them. Right. And there's going to be one or two guys. It's, you just mentioned like – Four dudes, all all four yeah. and five stars. Like, like, like all four oh of the guys that were top 50 overall players in their class. Unreal. Unbelievable. Yeah. And so Gibbs was not a top 50 player. He was a top like 80 player 
in his overall class, but he's already proven that he's one of the best in the country. And even before transferring to Alabama, if you had him ranked outside your top three running backs for 2023, you were doing it wrong. Right. Uh, so I think I have him like running running back two, still behind Bijan, but with the potential to be better because he is like an Alvin Kamara, like what what he was in college. Except he's probably going to have a better production profile and uh, and he's going to have a hot, brighter spotlight on him. You know, like yeah, playing for the Crimson Tide, like people talking he didn't about get stuck you. playing for Tennessee, which right. hasn't been good in twenty years. Um, hey. I'm going to pour one out for Arian right now, man. I love Arian Foster <laughs> so much. He yeah. was, hey, you know oh, what? anyway, never mind. Tennessee was at least fun this year, but we don't, we won't talk about that. Amir Goods, <laughs> seriously, running back two, running back three at worst in the 2023 class. So yeah. uh, moving on from Georgia Tech, which is a joke of a program to the best program by uh, a lot still. And I yeah. know they just lost the championship, but they are, they just continue hey, to bring in the most when- absurd. When you lose in the national championship game on a down year, like yeah. you're doing all right. You're doing like, just fine. Hey, it's like if we're gonna get them this year, this year's the year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so your your RB1 is Bijan Robinson for the University of Texas. They've brought in a lot of talent in the transfer portal. They have a really good recruiting class. Uh talk to me about Bijan Robinson. Um, obviously, I was just kidding. Like, I, I love him. I, I think uh Jameer Gibbs. Um, I don't think it is, is as good as Bijan. I think he'll get maybe a little bit more hype this year just because of Alabama. But Bijan seems to be the truth. And towards the end of the year before he got banged up, um, Sark really liked to lean on him and, and give him a lot of work. So I, I think it could be a huge year for for him. And uh, with you know all the transfers they brought in, they're going to be a very talented offense. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a fun team. Uh, should be better than last year. And I know it's it's a big leap for some to think that Quinn Ewers is, is going to make a big difference at the quarterback position, but he is. Um, right, absolutely. So, and so Bijan Robinson, you know, missed some time with an injury, but he, he was averaging over 140 yards from scrimmage and was, again, basically the best running back in football, especially in the early part of the season before Texas decided to, you know, to, to Texas and do their thing. <laughs> um oh. But yeah, Bijan is going to be a first round running back, and so yeah, I'm all in with him. He he's, he was a five star kid, ended up passing Zach Evans to be the running back one overall in his class, and that hasn't changed. How much would it take for someone in a Debbie league to be able to pry Bijan away from you? Uh, you probably have to like, like maybe if you gave me like Nick Chubb straight up. Yeah. Okay. Or or like. Uh, which so somebody like in a, a non Debbie league like wait hold on whoa, 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 whoa. yeah <laughs> but, but no seriously like you'd have to probably and in fact I probably wouldn't even be that interested in that because well Nick Chubb's not, not right yeah exactly. like the implied shelf life I would probably take Bijan so I there's there's a very short list of current NFL running backs that I would not you know gladly trade away to acquire Bijan Robinson why receivers a little different just because the shelf life is much longer but yeah. And in a depleted draft, like if you have Debbie players when you're drafting um, your rookie draft, all the top Debbie, all the top college players are out of it. It would probably take multiple first round picks, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. But to, to part ways with him. Yeah. And again, I know we have some new listeners that just started following me for like weird, like recruiting stuff and even some of the salad verbal fam. So shout out to you guys. Appreciate y'all. But Debbie leagues are for super nerds like me and Stefan 
who love to Woo-woo. roster, you know, college players before they're even to the pros. And so like Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, Tank Bigsby, Zach Evans, like all those guys are already on rosters and probably have been for two years. But, you know, like, so I, if we're talking about trading these guys away, yeah, it's just, I, I am so high on Bijan Robinson. It's silly. Yeah. And I think you should be. Um, the next guy that I still think um, exists in this tier before there's a bit of a drop off is a dude from uh, one of your favorite teams, uh, Auburn, uh, Tank Bigsby, who for a second thought about transferring away, but they ended up being able to keep him in town. A uh, big win, probably the biggest mm-hmm. offseason win for Auburn is just keeping Tank Bigsby, but special player all around back who can do absolutely everything, can carry the game on his shoulders when need be. Uh, do you have him ahead or behind? I could pull up your rankings right here, but uh, who who do you yeah. like actually better between Jameer and Tank? So I'm, I think at this point, Gibbs is actually safer just because of the Alabama bump. Um, whether, whether I like him better or not, his talent is almost irrelevant uh, because I think uh, Brian Harson is already on the hot seat because Auburn fans are insane. Uh, and yeah. I am one. I, I, it's just I recognize that my people are kind of crazy <laughs> when it comes to coaches like they're like hey Gus Malzahn I know you beat Nick Saban twice but screw you and so and so they they, they love to kick their coaches out real fast and so I, I could see uh I mean Bigsby was already clearly frustrated because Harson, who uh, I guess Jarquez Hunter was kind of his guy and he, he wanted to give him more touches or whatever um and that was just silly like Hunter's good but he's not Tank Bigsby and then Sean Shivers even got some snaps and so right. Tank's probably like dude don't mess with my future. I'm going to leave if you mess this up. And so uh, he could just be gone uh, at any point. And I know that seems a little bit weird, but uh, so I think that it's, his future is a little bit cloudier than Gibbs and Bijan, but I think his ceiling is right up there with them. And so I, I really love uh, everything about his game, his strength, his, his size and speed, and his uh, pass catching ability, which they haven't asked him to do enough. He was one of the best pass catching backs coming into this class, uh, even as a recruit. So I really love Tank. Yeah, me too. Um, I think it would be awesome if he got the opportunity to just kind of feast in that backfield. I hope he does not end up like, you know, carry on Johnson 2.0. I was so <laughs> pumped on carry on after his rookie year. Um, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, this next guy that you have is is probably a name that not many casual fans know about because I don't think many people watch Syracuse football, but I do um, because I lost many a bet because of this next <laughs> running back because I kept taking Syracuse unders and I kept taking Syracuse uh, not to cover. And this dude, Sean Tucker, does not know how to get tackled. He says, oh, no, no, it's going to take three or four of you guys to pull me down because I want those extra yards. This dude runs with a tenacity. Um, I'm curious to hear uh, what you have from him from a number side because I I really only uh, experienced him um, visually. (laughs) That sounds really uh, pornographic and weird. Um, but uh, he looks like he said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the dude looks great on tape. That's all I'm saying. Like when you watched his film, it looks really good. Like Paris Hilton got nothing on him. Wow, that's a t-shirt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so from a number standpoint, uh, you got a guy that had almost 1,500 rushing yards and over easily over 200 receiving yards. And because Syracuse 
doesn't pass or can't pass. He actually accounts for. I believe it's can't. Yeah, I think it is can't. We're closer to can't than it is doesn't. But uh, he accounted for like fourteen percent of the receiving yards, even. Uh, so he was the the entire offense outside of like uh, Garrett Schrader just taking off of the ball because he can't pass, so he can only run. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, he was a lot of fun. He wasn't a... Shout out uh, to you for just having the quarterback's name like on the tip of your tongue. When you said it, I knew it was right, but I wouldn't have been able to get like tell you what it was if you had asked, like, who's their quarterback? But when you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, Garrett Schrader, former Mississippi State uh, transfer, and, uh, you know, he was he was fun as a dual threat, but, yeah, not going to exactly throw very well. Uh, he, like, he was so bad, he made his best wide receiver quit football. Like, <laughs> like Josh Harris was like, nope, it's not worth it anymore. Anyway, Sean Tucker, amazing. He was not a high pedigree running back, and so that's another reason. Well, if he was, he wouldn't have gone to Syracuse. But we're just right. crapping on Syracuse so hard right now. Yeah. My gosh. Anyway, he is going to be a day two pick at at worst. And my, I mean, most of these guys are because people doesn't don't care about running backs anymore, but uh, Sean Where Tucker has size, speed, and he has a fantastic production profile. Uh, he's going to check every box. Uh, all the stuff that we do for the rookie guide for Rotoviz, like all the breakaway run percentage, uh, his yards after contact, uh, like his re- receiving yard market share and his peak season and final season, like all these weird analytical, analytical check boxes are going to be there. And then the film people are going to go, oh, yes. And so it's, it's, it's one of those guys yeah. where film nerds and data nerds are going to agree. Yeah, and that, that makes... Um, that makes for a nice outlook for him where he might kind of sneak into someone. Like it only takes one team to take him, you know, mm-hmm. like one team to see all this and be like, yeah, that's the guy we want, yeah. you know. And he's going to be like, he has the real potential to be that like Javante uh, Williams guy that nobody had uh, super high coming in because one, Syracuse, uh, but also because he just is not that uh, super sexy name or back that's in the spotlight. But then he just blows up again. And has almost yeah. two thousand yards from scrimmage, and like in back to back years, and then people just gain steam, and then he's over overvalued eventually. Like that's what happened. Like, that happens every year with somebody. Sean Tucker's yeah. probably that guy. Yeah, these next two running backs, you have um, pretty different different stories here. We've got Zach Evans, or Zachary Evans, who has quite the storied past. Um, all the talent in the world, but a bit of a head case, maybe um, to put it lightly. And then um, Texas A&M's uh, Devon Kane, who will be, you know, kind of taking over the role, the role for Isaiah Spiller, maybe. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's a bit smaller, though, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but I always get him and Aeneas Smith mixed up, so I'm probably wrong. But well, your thoughts on these two guys. Zach Evans, from a strict talent perspective, um, has to be way up there for you, I'm guessing. But I'm, 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 I'm assuming that the... Uh, yeah, the uh, the lack of emotional awareness and intelligence perhaps is what's pre- bringing him down. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm trying. I won't to go nice. into the whole story, but like dating back, he just was such a diva. Like in this in this entire process, like his recruiting, he was like, I mean, in this day and age, everyone is a little bit, but he was just so back and forth, uncommitting here, uncommitting there. Uh, you know, just going back and just and decided on a school way late in the process, and it was randomly TCU, and they're like, "Wow, there hasn't been a TCU running back to score a fantasy point in the NFL since Ladanian Tomlinson." Ladanian, yeah. And uh, maybe Zach Evans breaks that, and you know, he looks like the next Nick Chubb, except he's dumb and makes bad decisions. 
Uh, and then, <laughs> and uh, so he leaves his school again, but he goes to Ole Miss now. Uh, so that that looks like it could be a lot of fun. It's a high powered offense uh, that could use him correctly. Let's hope that they don't do some weird committee uh, again, like they did this year for no reason. But Henry Parrish, I think, just went into the portal. I think Snoop's gone. I think Jerry Neely's gone. He could just take the reins and have like a 2,000-yard season and be a first-round pick. Like he has that upside. Or he could just blame out, out and not even make the team by the fall because right. he took somebody off. Like that that's it's just an absurdly wide range of outcomes for Evans. Um, so I just – it's hard to really invest – in that kind of future for Debbie leagues or college, the Canton leagues, whatever you play in. If you already you know, have him, if you already have him, like I do, <laughs> yeah, what are you're you just holding? Cause him? like, you're just going to hold. And, and anybody else is trying to, to, you know, get you to sell low, uh, move him for much less than his ceiling could be. Right. And I'm not doing, but you it. wouldn't, but you also wouldn't try to acquire him. Nope. No interest in that. Yeah. So not even if I, good old if, if it's, a price, I just don't care. Don't yeah, so uh, D Devonna Kane from Texas A and M. Yeah, I think it's, it's, think it's a Shane, right? I I, I don't uh, know, dude. Anyway, I so, did watch Texas A and M. I just pronunciation. I should be better. These like as someone whose name is always misspoken and it does drive me crazy. I should be much better about it. Yeah. I apologize, Devin. It's all good, but he I know he's runs, listening. So there are. We're just on a first name basis, so yeah, Devon, I never have to say his last name. Devin, whatever it is. But <laughs> yeah, I probably screwed that one up too. We're, we're gonna say we're gonna pronounce it like your name is Stefan. We're gonna say Davon, even though that's yeah. definitely wrong. It's Davon today. We'll just for, call him DA. DA, let's go, baby. Now we're gonna call him Dave. Dave. <laughs> yeah. Uh Devon Ashane or Devin Ashane or Davon or Dave. Or one of those Acme. names. Devin yeah, Acme. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. <laughs> but anyway, for uh, Texas A&M, runs a 10-2-2, 100 meters. Uh, he's oh man, been that's clocked. almost as fast as you. Almost, not quite. Pre-injury, pre-injury. Yeah, pre-injury, pre-shoulder injury, which somehow <laughs> yeah. that has to do with sprinting. But Absolutely anyway. it does. You got to move your arms when you run. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, he was clocked at almost 23 miles an hour. Like he was, he was the fastest player in college football, I think, this year by a lot of the tracking data. Um, so he's that track speed guy that will be drafted incredibly high because he has all the traits. Um, I was just tweeting about missing out on like really missing Chris Johnson and Jamal Charles and running backs like that. Oh yeah. And Devon Shane could be that guy. Uh, he could be the next, whatever that is. Like if it's not him, it's like maybe Chris Tyree, but he's small or like maybe a couple guys that are coming in this freshman class, but also small, but and Devon Shane also small, but he yeah. uh, he did everything and looked just as good or even better than Isaiah Spiller this past year. Uh, and, and Isaiah Spiller is the consensus running back two in the 2022 class and probably gets top 50 draft capital. So Shane could be the, also that guy that's that late hype riser that people are like, wait, why didn't we have him ranked higher? Mm -hmm. uh, what? And he's probably going to feature. And Texas a has got another amazing, like they've got the number one recruiting class right now. They're bringing back a lot of solid players. They brought in a couple of transfer portal dudes. Like mm -hmm. they're going to be good. Mm -hmm. and, and he should be the lead back there this year. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So he, he could be that guy that rises up and like, how was he not a, a top three running back in the class? And, and uh, he could be, I think his ceiling is probably running back three ish next year. 
but that's not too far. Like there's a big, big drop off after this guy to me. Oh, really? Because because this next guy, Blake Corum, uh, we saw him pop for Michigan quite a bit. I, I remember, um, I mean, kind of him and, and, and Haskins were kind of a one-two punch and it felt like every other week it, it was another guy going off, you know, and, and Blake Corum looked real good to me. So do you, uh, do you see a pretty big gap between those two guys? I mean, you just said you do. So tell me why I do. Yeah. Uh, Corum's also small. He's also very fast, but he's like, just a lesser version in every regard of the game. <laughs> like, so like he's probably, <laughs> he's probably a late day two, early day three back. Like we rate a lot of these guys super high, but at, you know, we're already through like running back six or seven. Like, yeah. So you probably we're not going to have one. Yeah. We're yeah. probably not going to see more than that. They get drafted day two in this respective class. So, right. Yeah. Once we get beyond and, this range, I mean, one or two of these guys, like, I mean, Blake Corm's the type of dude, like maybe he does stay for his senior. Maybe, year, you know? Yeah, exactly. He might stay for, especially cause he's, he's Michigan. So he'll probably get committed. And because Don, Donovan Edwards, who was right. really good, he was like a top 50 overall guy in, in the class. We'll talk about next came week. on strong. Yeah. We'll talk about him next week, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just a drop off. Like, and and we can kind of skim this year because Kendall Milton for Georgia, like he could have a bigger role this year, but I think Branson Robinson might just steal it. Um, he, he's oh, the really? True freshman coming in. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, you know, Zamir White and James Cook are gone, so like both gone, big yeah. power vacuum in that backfield. Milton might be the guy, but it also might just be Branson Robinson coming in. And I mean, stealing it with how much Georgia likes to run the football, there might be enough for both of them to eat. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's so what you're Kendall, hoping for, I guess. Yeah, like Kendall Milton for Georgia is a guy who's ranked high uh, by Debbie people because of the potential and his feature back size. Uh, when he came in, there was a lot of hype, but then he didn't really do anything. And Zeus was still there and James Cook right. was still there. And so maybe he explodes, but I'm not really banking on it anymore. Um, but yeah. do And then Deuce Vaughn, like Kansas State. Like he has he's, a he's a he's fun Darryl, player. He's a fun player. He's he's Darren Sproles. He, like they even went to the same school. Like yeah. they, they both are going to beast with at least three ridiculous seasons for Kansas State. And the, I think he gets drafted, but I don't think it's early because he's so freaking tiny. He's like five foot five, yeah. and you know, one. He's like a JD McKissick, <laughs> JD McKissick type guy. Like that's what you're, yeah. that's that's like the, the the ceiling for him, I guess, probably in the NFL. Yeah, but he's so much fun. Like he, he makes yeah. people miss just in silly, silly ways. I, I don't probably, think he's going to get that. Like probably more of a, no. probably a better real life player than a fantasy mm-hmm. producer. But hey, maybe he, if, if he is Sproles, then he could be good for fantasy too. Yeah. So for 23 years. <laughs> one of the best receiving. Uh, for most of the year, he was like the only back in the nation who was averaging over 80 rushing yards per game and 40 receiving yards per game. I think he dipped right below that uh, later in the year, but. Still dominant, dominant player, regardless of how big he is. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Uh, let's move on to the tight ends. There's a couple guys you want to talk about here. Um, yeah. One dude that everyone's everyone should know about. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know who Michael Meyer is, um, watch some Notre Dame football and you'll find out real soon. Um, oh, man, I want to make a horror movie reference, but I can't remember which one it was. So I'm going to move on. We need Denny Carter for that. The Halloween? Oh, shit. Um, anyway, <laughs> Michael uh, Mayer. Yes. Uh, he uh, is absolutely insane uh, for Notre Dame this year. And, and, and the clear tight end one. How high do you, do you have him? Um, would you put him in, a if it's a tight end premium league, 
Is he cracking the first round for you? I think so. Michael Mayer might be close. I think I have him just inside round one. Um, normally, I don't do that in in, uh, in dynasty leagues, like for rookie rankings. But I think for he he's a top twelve pick kind of guy. Can just you? Because he's probably going to be a top fifteen overall pick. If if Kyle Pitts is is a ten and I'm a zero, uh, where is Michael? Michael's a nine point nine. <laughs> I put, shouldn't have put myself on that scale. <laughs> Five foot eight, one sixty eight. Yeah, sorry, My, Michael, <laughs> Michael Mayer is nine point nine nine. Oh man! But yeah, I had good hands. Really, really good. I could catch anything. You, you are, you were a professional football player. So, <laughs> um, so, so you, you think he's pretty close to Kyle Pitts? I, nobody's close to Kyle Pitts, but yeah, I think he's close to Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, that's high praise because tight ends, you know, traditionally we're like, ah, wait on tight end because it takes them a couple of years. Um, no, but then I think Pitts kind of spoiled us quite a bit. And even Friermuth this year, he he he, he mm-hmm. came on strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and the maybe, way that they install, like, I think yep. they, I think it's a little different. I think maybe the, like, hey, you know what? You're, you, you have to be. You need to. You're going to be a big body slot receiver is a, a lot mm-hmm. of the a lot of the game plan with these guys. And uh that's that's where the NFL has been headed for quite some time, and it's it's more and more and more important than ever to have that guy and pepper him with targets because yes yes because it's just a mismatch nightmare because most people don't have enough good linebackers that can just be oh yeah you know that six foot six two sixty monster yeah I've got him uh, so they just don't really they, you you don't have that kind of player for the most part right. Um, speaking of tight ends, I just think of Gronk and I think of Tampa Bay losing today and it makes me smile. <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad I Tom saw Brady somebody lost. on my, on, on, I don't know why I was on Facebook for a second, but I was, and I saw somebody who was like, mark themselves safe from seeing Tom Brady in another Super Bowl this year. <laughs> <laughs> I, love it. Uh, I mean, if you're a Tom Brady fan, good for you. You've gotten to enjoy a lot of yeah. victories, but yeah, yeah, just two decades. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next tight end you have is a guy um, who Benjamin. Your, yeah, your first Jurassic. word in your write up. Your first word in your write up is who? Question mark. And I was like, yeah, yeah that that sounds right. Yes, Benjamin Urasic, who is the tight end for Stanford. Uh, not only does Stanford play poorly, but they play poorly in the Pac-12, which means nobody <laughs> actually. Stop it. <laughs> Nobody is Stanford, watching play. Hey, Stanford beat Oregon this year. Just, just a little reminder. I don't remember what game it was. It must have been Kansas State. They looked like, wow, this is an FCS team. And they, they really turned it around. It, they really did at times. Uh, but Urosic is like six foot five, 240-ish. Uh, accounted for over 25% of his team's receiving yards uh, as a tight end. That's a big you. deal. That is a huge deal. Like, I mean, even really good college tight ends, like typically, you know, 15 to 20% market share uh, in receiving yards. But he was the, not only that, he was their wide receiver one, de facto wide receiver one. Like he was their favorite target. Like he had 42 catches for over 650 yards. Uh, yeah, that's that's a big deal on, on a bad team. Uh, he just continued to make play after play. And it's not just like little dink and dunk stuff. Like he averaged almost 16 yards per reception. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. So wow! Like I, he's completely off the radar. I don't. I don't know if there's any site anywhere who even has him ranked. I like for fantasy football purposes, uh, which that's a mistake. He's going to be the only other tight end in the 2023 group 
that I'm excited about. And that's all I'll say because that's enough words on Urasic, probably. <laughs> that's fair. Um, if we look at the quarterbacks, um, just looking at the four guys you have listed here on the sheet, um, it's interesting the order you put them in. I don't know if you just put them down um, like in your preference or what, but it looks like the exact inverse of how we had these four guys ranked coming into the season. Um, at four, you have DJ Uyunglele, who was you know the consensus QB one coming into the year. Um, Spencer Rattler, then CJ Stroud, and then um, at number one, you have Bryce Young. So I don't know if that's an intentional order there or not, but uh, these guys, uh, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, we just saw them do pretty imp- pretty incredible things um, in the bowl season. CJ Stroud, of course, in that amazing uh, Rose Bowl comeback that was super fun, and then Bryce Young leading Alabama to the championship game, falling a little bit short, but uh, he still looked pretty pretty darn good. Um, do you feel really strongly about one of these guys over the other, or are you pretty uh, happy with either one of them uh, if you had to choose? I am perfectly happy taking Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, and I think both of them will succeed. I think they should be top 10 picks in next year's draft uh cj stroud led ohio state to be essentially the most efficient offense in the entire country outside of coastal carolina because they play elementary school students but yeah i mean cj stroud was fantastic all year he started off kind of rough because he, he had that shoulder thing he took one week off and came back and look it was like hey by the way i'm now a heisman favorite and uh right really uh had he just not missed time um, and missed that one game earlier in the, in the year, I think he could have been right there. I think he could have won the Heisman. So, yeah, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, 1-2. I don't care how you rank them. I have really? Young. Yeah, you're just 1A, 1B. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. It's just like since the beginning of their careers, like dating back to early high school, They like it's funny. These guys that have been this elite for this long, they all know each other. Like yeah. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and DJU, have known each other since they were probably 14 or 15 because they've been competing in elite 11 camps and CJ Stroud actually beat out Bryce Young and DJU at their elite 11 final competition. Uh, They've been just elite for forever. And they were the top three quarterbacks in their recruiting class and DJU fell apart for no reason. The other two did not, but do you know who, uh, never mind. Um, I, I think it's interesting about both these guys is they don't rely much on their legs and their running game, but you can tell that they have the ability to. Like, mm-hmm. if they need to, they can. And if mm-hmm. they have to, they will. And we saw that, um, like, with Bryce Young in, in some of those games late through the year when they needed those wins, he was willing to run the ball. But usually they don't do it because they want to protect their body. But it's I'll be curious to see if they start to run more. Um, but I, I think both have the ability yeah. if I they I think Stroud will. I think we'll, he will a lot. I think he will be coached up and say, hey, you need to this year. And he'll have to uh, because he has a really good wide receivers. But I think he'll have to uh, lean more on that because they will be much less experienced, at least at the very beginning of the year next season. So I think Stroud will have a better rushing profile. I think Young will have a decent one as well when it's all said and done. And they'll be one too. <laughs> and DJU will have 30 carries for – 39 yards, but they'll be the toughest 39 yards anyone's ever gotten. Because yeah, Clemson, if they don't get their act together, they're seriously going to disappear. Like, I know. I, I, that's, that's how bad it could be very quickly because they're not bringing in, bringing in a great class. Uh, in they're terms not of depth. the transfer portal because De- uh, uh, Debo's insane. Yeah, because he, he's just, 
you know, living 10 years ago. Um, you know, props to him for being a really good developer, I guess, or at least having a better eye. And they've been like on that fringe, like top 10 or 11, 12 kind of range for most of his recruiting classes outside of a few years. And yet they still have been elite most seasons. And yes, they still went 10 and three and down the stretch Clemson averaged like 20 more points per game than they did in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. So that they were putting it together, uh, down the stretch a lot more than people I think realize. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they were a top five defense still, but they really, <laughs> they really need to have a, a Clemson year again. Uh, so DJU could either bounce back and be a first round pick next year, or he could be benched by week three. Like that's yeah, <laughs> that's, and, that's and, what scares and, me with him because and, Kate and that's coming be- in. I was gonna say because they have a high profile, one of the top what three quarterbacks in the class coming to Clemson. Um, yeah, I don't know where he is exactly, but I think he's yeah, he's a five star. So yeah, and he looked um, ridiculous at the All American game. So right, right. Last guy you have in this list is Spencer Rattler, who we talked about uh, going to the non-real USC, the other USC. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be a cock. And uh, that seems appropriate for Spencer Rattler. Um, uh, Yeah, that's very on brand for him. So do you think he can, um, do you think he can restore his, you know, NFL future hopes? Do you think he can get back into that first round conversation? I think unless he just fails miserably this, this year. Which is a, I think is not, I think it's a 50 50 chance. Like, I don't know. I have Spencer Rattler and I don't know what to do with it. I mean, you know, Shane Beamer, good job. You, you you did great this year. You got South Carolina to a bowl and won, by the way, right. the Duke's yeah. Mayo Bowl and took a, a Mayo bath. And nice. Hey, Shane Beamer. Congrats. <laughs> My God. Like, that, was, that was great. But um, that the, also <laughs> feels like two years ago. My God. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Spencer college Rattler, football, man. He, Rattler was so clearly done with being even like any chance at all for anyone to knock him out of the job. He's like, okay. Uh, where's the only power five, power five program with absolutely no competition? <laughs> oh yeah. That school that was just starting like a random grad student as yeah, uh, the quarterback. <laughs> I'm going to go there. And so uh, he's immediately going to start and he's going to be that guy that man, Spencer Rattler can really spin it. Uh, and he's going to get capital next year unless he just completely strikes out and throws six touchdowns and 20 interceptions. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Spencer. And uh, I, I do, I mean, I feel bad. Hmm, do I feel bad for him? I don't know. I don't. Um, <laughs> he just came across so terribly in that show. QB, was he in QB1 QB or was one. he in the other one? Oh, yeah. yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, you're a brat. That's fine. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I imagine he's experienced a little bit of humility this year, I hope. And, uh, you know, having to go to yeah. South Carolina maybe will uh, we'll, we'll help that situation. But uh, it'd, be, it'd be fun to have a, a, another, you know, kind of, fun quarterback in this class i of course we know there's going to be a couple of random dudes that pop up maybe oregon's own bo nix oh. <laughs> why, why? <laughs> bo nix why i'm so sad bo nix yeah as an Auburn fan uh you can have him <laughs> yeah he already beat oregon once this freshman year i don't know yeah. why we want him now but anyway um this is good next week we'll look at the 2024 class we'll kind of have a similar um, breakdown where we go through the wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, and quarterbacks. We've got some fun names. A couple guys that we kind of mentioned in passing today. Um, guys like Corey Brooks, uh, Trevion Henderson, Will Shipley, 
And of course, Quinn Ewers, those guys were mentioned already today. We'll go diving deeper into them next week. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I know a lot of you, a lot of us are kind of in pretty engrossed in uh, the uh, NFL playoffs. Again, really exciting games this weekend, all coming down to, you know, the last drive. Who knew that all you needed was 13 seconds to go and score a uh, game-tying field goal and then win it in overtime, but that's all that was needed. So, um, hey, I, I put $50 down on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl uh, preseason, so I am riding it and enjoying it all. Travis, do you have anything you'd like to leave the good listeners with? Do you have any other content coming out soon that people should be looking for? Uh, Yeah, I'm doing like a rookie kind of report card stuff on some of these guys and just uh, already released the quarterback version of that, but uh, uh, from like guys who just finished the rookie season, uh, kind of outlining the, the quarterback class was fun because there's really six guys that we really needed to talk about. So that was huge. Doing that with running backs, wide receiver, side ends here shortly. Uh, but really the rookie guide is the big thing that's up next. We are doing the ranking summit here soon for that. Going to have uh, all that stuff rolling out very soon. That's uh, from me and Curtis and the whole whole team doing a lot of fun rookie work. Um, I'm, I'm going to have 100 plus players in there for you guys uh, with uh, kind of uh, an index breakdown of all those guys and some really specific production driven pieces. So, yeah, that, that's a big project that we work on for four months to get that yeah. right for, for you guys. So be looking for the, I'm sure we'll have a promo code guide. Yeah. I'm oh, sure yeah. I'll have a promo oh, yeah. code for that pretty soon here too. Yep. So that's awesome. That. Great. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, we will be back with you, uh, sometime in the next week. Uh, schedule has been a little off. I was like super sick with not COVID. Apparently you can still get just a regular flu these days. And I had that, uh, while I was in Mexico city, which was awesome. Um, but Hey, it's okay. Uh, I'm, I can almost breathe again and all is well. It'll be good to get back at it. I'm excited to talk yes. of football again next week. We, uh, yeah, we've got a lot to look forward to. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>